Welcome to the Cross Screen and In Between podcast, brought to you by Evoquip. Hello, and welcome to the Cross Screen and In Between podcast, brought to you by Evoquip. Today, we have another interview recorded live at Con Expo, this time featuring Barry and Andrew speaking to the folks over at Volvo Penta. Without further delay, I'll hand you over to Barry and Andrew, direct from Las Vegas. Hi all, um, Andrew here, um, recording from, from Con Expo. Barry and I made the, made the trip over to Volvo Penta. We took a, a the Tesla tunnel and crossed about three freeways. But, but we got here, um, so we're here with, with Ricardo and, and Prabaka from, from Volvo Penta, guys. Do you want to introduce yourselves and, and tell us what you do? Yeah. My name is Prabhakar. I am responsible for product management function within the Volvo Penta industrial business. My primary responsibility is to plan the total portfolio and also do the strategy for the company when it comes to the industrial business. And also we provide the technical support for all the products, what we put in the marketplace, which are already in operation and then which will come into the future. You're very busy then? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a fantastic and exciting time, uh, particularly in the space of transformation. There are a lot of things happening around us and then we have to manage the current portfolio in a good way so that we can get into the new technology portfolio in a good way as well. Sounds very exciting. Very good. Uh, sorry, my name is Ricardo Sardelli. I head up um, sales for the UK and Ireland uh, for Volvo Penta. I've uh, been with the company 10 years and worked very closely with Provaca uh, on products and coming to work with people like they are our partners, in this case Terex. And uh, we have Nick Styles who supports you guys uh, on a day-to-day basis and he's your key account manager who really uh, sits to understand the, the needs and the demands of the customer and then we, we trample that together to what we need. Okay, great. How, how is the show going so far for yourselves? Has it been busy? It's been really busy. It's, I think there's been a time because of the last Connexpo and it was just at the introduction of Covid uh, and everything sort of had to shut down. It was very abrupt, very quick. And I think this Connexpo is probably one of the best Connexpos I've experienced. It, we've been really busy. Uh, the general uh, consensus is that the people we're seeing are, are really high quality in the sense that very key uh, decision makers, very engaged and wanting to know more about future technologies. And as Prabhaka said, it's a really exciting time. Right now, you know, you, you're looking at such a diverse portfolio of product to do things that we do today and have taken diesel for granted for many years. So I think it's really, really useful. Good show. Maybe Ricardo, I might add, it's not only hip products, but also the services and yes. the solutions Absolutely. together. So that is also very exciting. Yeah, I think we've seen that with ourselves, a real push for, for services, you know, rather than always just pushing products, which comes naturally. It's a services now too that we're trying to focus on more. Absolutely. It's a full package, isn't it, that, that, that customers are now looking that that's key, um, a full package solution. Completely agree, and that is the future. When you're talking about new technologies, electric you know, systems, hydrogen systems, close monitoring is going to be essential on how those are used to get 
optimize productivity and up optimized uptime because there's less moving parts ultimately. But it's the special the, the um, sort of expertise in engaging with those products and fixing them rapidly is going to be very different as well. Yeah. We call that as end-to-end solutions. Yeah. And, and the, the industry we work in, like yourselves, things break and are always going to break and you need that backup to support your customers as best you can. Absolutely agree. Yeah. It's essential to have good engaged business partners on our front. Yeah. So we talked about transformation and exciting times ahead. And I suppose from your perspective, would you talk us around why you believe Volvo, a customer would choose you know, electric powered Volvo um, equipment over like hydrogen or lithium batteries? What, what would you, um, what would be the big selling feature, or the benefits of that? Let me structure my response uh, this way. Basically, we have to see what are the drivers of which are pushing towards the new technology. If you really look at it, it's basically coming from the global warming and then the UN resolution on climate goals, wherein we have to be net zero by 2050. And within the Volvo Group, we have taken the responsibility to be net zero by 2040, so that we have another decade available to take care in the already in the existing operational equipments and so on in the fleet. So by 2050, it should be. So that legacy is exhausted. Absolutely. So uh, that's uh, a very important piece which is driving this. And at the same time, if you look at from a customer perspective, how these technologies will be employed or it will be absorbed. So there are many factors which determines this. For example. Uh, what is the kind of initiatives that government in that region in the form of regulations or incentives they are deploying in that market and also availability of the infrastructure for example if it is electric we need a charging infrastructure the grid should be capable it should be resilient to so that we can charge and as well as availability of sustainable fuels for example hydrogen or uh, let's say biomethane and so on, or a HVO. So infrastructure is also key. And the total ecosystem is also needed. For example, the competence. The competence from the manufacturer, the user, and the service providers, and the allied services around the, around the core uh, equipment. So all these things has to exist. And also, by employing the new technology, what kind of autonomy in terms of operation the end customer will have. So those are the factors which are really determining what kind of solutions will be appreciated. So there is no uh, one solution that fits all applications across the globe. So that will be determined based on the availability of the resource, based on the uh, government initiatives, and also based on the ecosystem in terms of infrastructure available in the marketplace. Absolutely. I think you yeah, you've captured it quite well there. There's no silver bullet, but the, the key partner as well is our relationship as you know with, with Evoquip. And when you look at um, you know the, the approach that we must take, it's not a case of now just selling machine, you're selling a complete system. And when we look at how we we look at 
approaching that as well Repenta, it means that we also have to be able to guide and support your end users in making that best choice together with, with your sales force, with your teams, so that they adopt the right technology right you know, first time. Very interesting point. The the you know Volvo have, have set themselves that target of twenty forty, you know, to allow you know, further uh, very key. And, and I also think the the, the point you made that the government, uh, the regulations, and the support is a key factor as well. And you know that that's diverse across across the globe. Essentially, as you, as you quite rightly pointed out, there's no two that's going to be exactly the same, which leaves it you know very interesting and and and. and uh, to determine what's going to happen going forward. Yeah, and even we could come out with a, a fantastic technology tomorrow, but if the end users, if it's too difficult for them to keep up with it or for them to, to keep things working, it's, it's irrelevant, it won't work in the field in reality. So you always have to keep the end user in mind with all the technologies because you can't be too far ahead of them in, in reality. And commercially it has to make sense. Yeah. You yeah. can't come along with the best thing on the planet and it costs a million pounds. It's not going to work. So that's it's a balance. The economics of it have to, ba- have to, have to, yeah. have to stack up. It, it also. Has to stack up. Yeah. Can you give us a bit of a um, an update on on your development of, of where you are in development, sort of um, along the, the roadmap towards sort of these the implementation of these? Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to uh, Volvo Group and Volvo Penta, since we have set a very tough targets to ourselves, uh, we are basically focusing on three technology streams. One is electric, within electric, fully electric and hybrids. Uh, Another one is on the sustainable fuels, for example, HVO, hydrogen, and so on. Then the third thing is the fuel cells. So Volvo Group is not new to this new technology because we have been in this space for the last 10 years plus. So we have quite a good experience in the group uh, the early one being the buses where we have installed these electric and then they have been in operations and in trucks and so on. So today Volvo Group has a full-fledged electric offer or a sustainable offer on the truck side and buses and also construction equipment and Volvo Penta is also following that. So I would say fairly that uh, we are equipped and you are continuing to invest in these new technologies. and. The ambition here is that we utilize and leverage the Volvo Group technology, which has been tested and time-proven so far, and then we will also take part in the evolution of the technology and then applicate that to our customers in various applications what Volvo Penta is catering to today and in the coming years. So, fairly, we are equipped to pursue this transformation journey. What is important to note that is that we are taking the Volvo Group heavy-duty platform which has been developed and it is applicated in wide variety of applications uh, within the group. So we bring that and then we customize to our customer requirements and then we deliver that solution Mm -hmm. to the customers through the OEMs. Okay. So it's very much a tailoring, and that's where we'll come to you and talk to you about you know, battery energy storage systems, electric drive lines, hybrid drive lines, and it's that tailoring process which is key to tune those elements to your requirements. 
and it's, and it's interesting uh, to know you know you're, you're not you know not coming into this fresh where you had ten years experience previous to this you, know, you had that opportunity to get ahead um, so much so it is it's exciting times ahead yeah. 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 And in terms of looking at the exciting times ahead, what's the, the approach to charging solutions? Uh, because that's obviously going to be a challenge. So it is, uh, and, you know, the infrastructure around that, and how do you see how do you see that? Okay, uh, if you look from uh, charging as such today, the solutions what we are offering they are quite compatible with the solutions already available in the market when it comes to charging. However, Volvo Penta based on the Volvo Group's platform, we are also coming up with what we call the battery energy storage system. Here, we supply the subsystem for our OEMs to build a complete uh, battery energy storage system. The battery energy storage system will form a key component in terms of providing the resiliency in the grid, because when we connect the electric equipments, you need uh, the sudden demand for power goes up, so then that can trip the supplies. Mm -hmm. So to act as a buffer, so these energy storages are used. And also now more and more investments are happening on the renewable energy source, for example, solar and wind. So those energy can be stored and this can be utilized when you are needed. So yeah. that is another part where we will contribute to improve the resiliency of the grid and then also support the charging requirements through the battery energy storage system. So here uh, we follow our concept, what we call the uh, independent supplier. So we provide the uh, subsystem and work with our OEMs to build a total solution for their customers. And is there is there a focus on on reliability and safety with with the, with higher progression? Because obviously this is a new technology to us all, largely. Absolutely. Now, as Prabhanka um, mentioned earlier, you know we've been in this space for you know, a decade or more, uh, especially in the electric or electrification field. In fact, it's about 15 years since you know buses first initially went started this journey. And from our side. Uh, safety is one of our core values uh, within Green. Safety and the environment are core values. So everything that we've designed or we design today has a very strict uh, leaning towards safety. And in, uh, as part of that, that is then that culture is brought along into the electrical environment. So we will we not only comply with ISO requirements, which are still you know, fledgling right now, they're not fully defined, but we also have our own standards which we apply. And we'll only uh, apply the uh, you know, local standards or an ISO standard if it is stricter than our standard. So for, for us, safety is key, training is key, and especially in the aftermarket or in the service market environment, it's crucial to understand what you're dealing with. And I think it's just getting used to that new technology, you know, electrification or hydrogen, and it's just understanding what the do's and don'ts are. So, yeah, for us, yeah, it's a safety is a uh, is non-negotiable. It's a must. I think, I think Ricardo, it's fair to add that uh, the safety is inbuilt from the very beginning. So, um, in terms of design, development, sourcing and also a finished product coming out of our facilities. On top of that, we also ensure that 
whoever who is using this electric, for example, they are trained and they have understood the safety aspects. It's not only the solution or the product or the offer that lands in the customer's place, but they have to understand how to utilize this, what are the safety precautions they have to take, because the ecosystem is yet to get mature. So we put a lot of efforts and then we ensure that the original equipment manufacturer and the end customers have understood the requirements how to operate on a day-to-day -day basis so that there are no shortcuts. So safety is core and I would like to just re-emphasize that uh, it's our uh, core value. So we go all out to ensure that and which is extremely critical uh, when it comes to the new new technology applications. So, sorry, okay. uh, you know, as part of our training, just to give you an example, both Nick and I have been in training, and it starts off with um, you know, uh, e-learning, and then you go to classroom-led, and then you're actually tested. So, and you have to take an exam. If you don't fail, you fail the exam, you're done. You know, yeah. you've got to you've got to yeah. wait another six months to retake that. So, but to give an example on safety, just a, a you know actual example. So, what that, we've got big orange cables coupled up to big battery packs, and those go into junction boxes. And to undo those cables, you've you've got to really want to undo them. So there's there's safety clamps, there's bolts. But if somebody does that in the incorrect way, the system isolates itself all along the connection. So whatever's connected to an orange cable, whether it's a junction box, whether it's a battery system, or a motor, they all have the ability to isolate it. And they'll shut down the main power source, which is the battery. So it keeps the power within that space. So you, there's, it's, it's very difficult to have, a, to have an accident. Okay. Very, inter very interesting to hear you know, about how, how core safety is uh, you know, within, within your business. Uh, and I suppose that aligns with our business in Terex. You know, one of the core values of Terex was safety in the workplace. And that, that is installed from the ground up within our business. Um, you know, that, that's one of the core principles of everything we do you know, on a daily basis. Um, I suppose uh, look, looking at, at the future and looking ahead, you know, how does Volvo stay ahead of the competition in the industry, and what what's your uh, what's your uh, innovations in, in staying ahead and, and being at the forefront? Yeah, as I mentioned before, uh, we are coming from uh, decades of experience into this new technology solution, and then we have a, a quite a heads up in this area. And then we will continue to maintain that through uh, large dedicated investments in terms of the infrastructure to have to produce the batteries and not only the batteries across the globe but also the cells we are investing there. We also have a joint venture for fuel cells. So we are securing all these pieces which will give us the capacity and the capability to put ourselves in the front. And we are not resting. We also have uh, phenomenal engineering resources in terms of capacities and capabilities across the globe who are already working on this. And then we will continue to evolve on the solutions, what we are developing through innovations and uh, investments in core technologies. And to add to that, uh, when we look at this, not only as a, a you know, initial package, but we also have a, a remanufacturing program in place as well that will take the electrical components and we will re 
give them a second life, for want of a better word. So that it's a complete um, cyclical economy for yeah. us, yeah. which I think is essential in this sort of environment, especially to give the end users that confidence that that product has, will have a second life. What I would like to emphasize is uh, uh, we say that partnership is the new leadership because we have a short span of time to fulfill the targets. We can't do it alone by ourselves. So we know that our strengths, wherever we want, uh, the capabilities. So we evolve into a partnership and then try to offer the solution to the customer. Our goal is to secure the net zero solutions in the marketplace. So partnership is also another piece to achieve this. So not only focusing on our in-house capabilities, but also we will have partnership, uh, strengthened partnership with our customers, with our OEMs, and also um, manufacturing partners to deliver new uh, solutions. And is that to support yourselves with technology and bring in specialized experts in other, other, other companies to support Volvo Penta with some, some, some innovations going forward? Yes. Because, for example, if you take uh, the battery cells, there is enormous development ongoing. So to catch up with that, uh, we need uh, some sort of partnership. Yeah. So we always look for that and then whenever uh, the objectives meet from both ends, so then we form a partnership and we proceed. So this is on the manufacturing side or on the technology side. But it is also on the implementation side, that's what Ricardo, you have been explaining, that end customer, I mean, uh, to implement the solution, we need to train them, we need to bring them up to certain speed, to work with our OEMs, we have to share the, how to, the way of working, how to uh, bridge the technology together into the machine and make it work. So, I, I see this as a partnership of different dimensions from not only from manufacturing but all the way up to the operation in the marketplace. Partnership is the key word, isn't it? Really, when when you look at it, you look you look at you know, the business, any business model. Partnership is the key. You know, successful partnership transforms results essentially. Yeah. So it's, it's good to hear that partnerships are a key part of development and, and, and innovation. And, and it's essential to have a good, strong partnership, is that trust. And I, I think we have a great relationship in that sense, you know, we'll stand by, even with, we've developed the, together the, uh, the COVID-19 machine, for example, and that was our first in to uh, Evo with, with the 8 litre, so great power density, and so far so good. You know, we've had our challenges, we've overcome those, we've delivered, and it can only get better. And that, again, going back, partnership, we've worked together as a partner to overcome the, any issues we had and for the greater good, which has been quite successful. Okay. Um, we, we, were, we were at Bauma there a couple in, in Germany a couple of months ago and, and you walked through Bauma and it was very much the key word was green and sustainable and hydrogen electric and every second stand was, was that, that was a buzzword the sustainability in, in Bauma we, we, we found whereas here and obviously in, in Con Expo North America there's probably there seems to be less of a 
a push. Um, do, you, do you yourself see a similar trend between North America and the rest of the world? Europe split, or how do you find that the difference in that sustainability push um, around the world? If I can answer that, um, we do see a definite uh, divide. You know, in the sense that um, in North America, for example, they are very early adopters of technology. Uh, so you'll see here more and more electrical machines, which are no kidding productionized somewhere in the sort of post prototype phase so they're just before they go into production and I believe that you know, that drive will continue and if you look at the amount of spent government spend or investment in new technologies like hydrogen here in the States it's phenomenal and they've been doing that for a long time there are pots of um, grants that are available which you can actually then tailor your solution to so hydrogen is going to take off in a big way in, in the states in, in you know quite rapidly right now here i think it's good because they're showing you different stepping stones because you don't want to scare people yeah. you know, too much but i think if you look at by contrast in europe europe is more focused on electrification and here you're going to see more focus on hydrogen um, and then you've got the rest of the world so you, our job here is to really offer the most appropriate technology to the most to, to the region and I think legislation is going to be a key factor there. You know, when we talk, you know, we don't really know what tier five is going to bring, but it's it's going to be a lot stricter than tier four final. So your emission levels are going to drop significantly. So you have to adopt a different technology or a different fuel. So I think there are some really you know, great opportunities in that sense, but it's very very different, and you can you, you can actually see a huge difference in that adoption rate. Okay, and and suppose to that, do you think? You think there has to be, be different solutions for the two regions? One to be more hydrogen based, one more electric based? I think so, yeah. I think there will be some of the focus on, on the hydrogen side from here uh, in the States. And um, in Europe, I think there will be more focus on, because you know, for us, infrastructure is a big, big thing in Europe. So the hydrogen solution, we tend to give ourselves barriers. Whereas the States, they're very open minded, you know, they'll just go do it. And that's the difference, you know, and, and that's where we, we need to learn from this and invest and really push that boundary because I think hydrogen is, is a very good solution. It's not the only solution. There are multiple other things that need to come into play as well. That's interesting because we largely maybe, you, you need to try to pigeonhole yourself where it has to be one or the other, it can't be both, where in reality maybe it has to be both to, to try to keep everyone in play and all markets in play for, for that. Because it is interesting, not everybody's going to move at the same level and the same speed and, and you know, there's obviously geographical differences um, that, that have to factor in as well. So you know, us as a business and ourselves, we have to be mindful that, that you know, not everybody's going to go down one, you can't silo people into no. a singular uh, opportunity or single option um, for renewable energy. Exactly right. And one of the big drivers I think there as well is, you know, if you look at the states in, and you're working in California, you know, there's a whole different raft of legislation compared to if you're working in New York. But I think it, it, it's all going the same way. More stricter and stricter emissions on noise pollution, on general operation, on actual exhaust emissions, and the, the net zero effect is going to be a huge influence on those decisions. And no doubt for Europe as well. Absolutely. To add to Ricardo from my side that. Uh, Yes, there are a lot of incentives coming from US, for example, the Inflation Reduction Act, which really supports the transformation of technologies. 
So I would really see a big impact on the energy sector in the US uh, because of that. Uh, and I see also a big role from the battery energy storage system to support the grid and so on. So it's coming up. Um, interestingly, in Europe also hydrogen is coming. It's in pockets. And uh, for example, if you have a clean energy, uh, for example, hydro energy, then you can use the electrolyzers and produce hydrogen and store it and then you can distribute it. So uh, it will be a mix of different technologies based on the availability. What is key is because we have to be net zero. So we have to focus uh, from that aspect. So if you have a clean energy available, so then utilize that to produce hydrogen and then uh, go forward. And if you are in uh, enclosed uh, or restricted environments, then it makes sense. So distribution is not a problem. You are producing and using it. And if it is a byproduct, as a byproduct available from manufacturing, uh, if you are a process industry, then if you get a byproduct, then you can still utilize to produce power or store that energy and distribute. So, uh, I mean, uh, a waste can be reutilized. By that, you are still uh, reducing the CO2. So, it, it's a mix. Uh, and then uh, what is interesting is there are a lot of incentives coming up and uh, from US for example and also from Europe as well there is a green bill coming up so that will really accelerate the absorption of the new technologies. Yeah. It's quite interesting, uh, you know, an exciting time so as uh, you know, these incentives will really drive it forward and help drive it forward you know, over the next uh, Number of years till, till net zero, uh, 2040 for you, 2050 is, is what the, the government's drive is. But suppose if we take it back to, to now, the now, you know, we're currently using our diesel engines, uh, or Volvo diesel engines in our Cobra range. Um, can you tell us about your latest innovations around diesel engines and, and why customers should continue to use uh, diesel engines in, in, in the meantime while we develop our, our, our net zero strategies? Diesel will uh, live for many years in one or other form, I would say. Uh, basically, the internal combustion engines will be adapted, starting from a fuel-fuel solution and all the way to be a net-zero solution, utilizing internal combustion engines. For example, today you can use a HVO as a drop-in fuel and then you can reduce the uh, CO2 emissions. Uh, you can have uh, hydrogen uh, replacing diesel uh, and use it as a dual fuel in a traditional diesel engine and then still you can reduce the CO2. So this kind of sustainable fuel will be utilized and accordingly the engine will be, uh, I would say, adjusted in terms of design and applicated. So we continue to evolve on the CO2 reduction before we get into 100% uh, a dedicated fuel for CO2, for example, hydrogen. So uh, we see this as a kind of bridge from today to the tomorrow, wherein you start with HVO and then biomethane, you have a dual fuel of any combination to reduce the CO2. Like a stepping stone yeah. Yeah. Uh, over, over, over the period of time where, where the net zero then becomes the goal. And also the upcoming legislations are focusing on 
lighter emission norms on the current diesel engines and uh, as well as you have to reduce the CO2 as well. So that means we have to improve the fuel consumption. So uh, that is also moving in the direction. Absolutely. And then, yeah, as a partnership, that's where we're working closely with you guys on you know, assessing those various elements. And, you know, in some way, you know, a hydrogen solution may be potential, or an actual hybrid unit might be a better solution as a stepping stone to that next sort of dual fuel system on the way on the journey. And it's also, cost, you know, the, the end user's acceptance is key in all of this. That drives what we do. I suppose it is, it's the end customers who essentially are using the equipment with, with, with rear fire solutions in it. And going back to one of the points you said, that's a, a key factor in deciding to determine what we use and how we, what we use in the interim going to that net zero. How do you see uh, the pull from the market, you being closer to the customers? Um, Within the Evo Group, we have seen uh, probably over the last two years some more drive towards you know, hybrid or net zero. Um, mostly within Europe, we have seen it to date, to be fair. Um, outside of Europe, there hasn't been that huge demand from us just yet. Um, maybe an aspect of our machines are compact and, and the fuel is maybe in the same two not. At the levels where the larger machines are at, at this moment, our, some of our, our sister brands, Parscreen or Finley, are probably further down the line and seen a demand for you know, hybrid uh, machines probably a lot sooner than, than we have at Evergrip. Yeah, I think that's true. And you look at, say, a, a core 600 um, fuel efficiency, it uses a lot less fuel than some of the big, far larger scalpers. and. Our, our, our end users largely aren't the, the large quarries that have access to, to, to electricity. You know, we tend to be the, the lower end of the market, you know, the entry level customers. We don't have the same, de same demand for, for fully plug in electric, electric crushers or screeners the way the larger end would. So it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, the, the slight difference there of our market compared to the bigger brands. But as Barry says, you know, it, 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 um, it's very much customer driven, you know, we could decide to, to change everything to electric tomorrow, but they largely wouldn't, it wouldn't be, wouldn't, the customers wouldn't take them up, you know, the, the, largely diesel is still the, the preferred, the preferred power source currently for our energy, and will be probably for, for a while to come. It will be, yeah, we see that, it, it will be for you know, the next few years at a minimum anyway. Um, until you know, the adaption and, and the innovations come through, uh, especially in the smaller equipment that we have. And within that, are you seeing much in the way of HVO requirements or going to a, a more sustainable diesel fuel type? Or, or are they just driving to say, no, it's a diesel and they'll use, you know, uh, I know we don't even have red diesel anymore in the UK, for example, so they're using HVO. But how do you, do you see the market here in, in the States? Um, in the States, Outside of uh, outside of California, we talked about California uh, a few moments ago. Outside of California, there hasn't been a demand for anything other than diesel-powered engines at the moment. Um, but we, we, we will see that trend will change. Um, look, the Europeans have, have obviously been first in that demand for uh, hybrid solutions in our equipment. Um, America, uh, you know, Oceania 
typically follow suit and, and, and will come you know, a few years afterwards is typically what we find um, and we have started to see that in Australia where there is some demand for hybrid solutions um, certainly over the, over the last few months we've started to see and hear that demand come from some uh, some of the Australian customers. And, and we do, we, we are getting more questions from end users about HVO and, and our Volvo Penta engines can work on HVO currently but it largely hasn't been adopted widely is, is where we are. But here, as you say, we've got a little problem or it, it'll likely go more that way and that's a trend but at the minute there, there isn't too much movement to, to work on. HBO is really a good option to go for if it is available yeah. and uh, thereby you can ensure that the fleet CO2 is reduced dramatically without doing much change. Yes, and it's an easy change too. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, think that's, I think that's been great guys, uh, a really good chat with yourselves. Um, thanks for Rebecca, thank, thanks Ricardo for your time. Um, I know you're two very busy men. Um, so we really appreciate you giving us your time to have a chat. So it, was great, it was great to see the insights and you know the innovations that the ball was doing. It was also interesting to learn your you know, you, you've had ten years ahead of you know ten years beyond and you're reducing your target to you know by ten years to twenty forty. You know, and it's interesting to see that that target you've set yourselves um, to reduce to net zero by twenty forty. So very interesting and exciting times ahead. No, but thank you very much for the thank opportunity, you. gentlemen. It's, it's been really good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope, the, I hope the show goes well for you and, and have a, a good rest of the week. Thank you and send to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Crush Screen and In Between podcast. If you have any questions you'd like to answer on the podcast, please send them to podcast.evequip.terex.com. <laughs>